What is the value of practice? Welcome to another episode of Relearning Leadership, where we explore a specific leadership challenge and break it down to help improve your leadership, your organization, and just possibly your personal life. I'm Pete Behrens, and today I want to explore the concept of practice. That's right. You remember as a kid when your parents made you practice spelling or your instrument, or when your coach made you run those boring drills over and over when all you really wanted to do was play in the game. Well, practice isn't just for kids. I mean, most sports professionals practice more than they actually play in games. And performance artists practice more than they perform on stage. And military teams practice more than they experience actual combat. But what about other professionals that maybe aren't so practice-oriented? There's a lot of practice, a lot of professions where practice is really a prerequisite to the position. I mean, you think of uh, licensed professionals like pilots or doctors and nurses, uh, teachers, technicians, lawyers. Uh, These are professions where practice was something you did to get to your profession. And then there's a maybe some occasional relearning or recertification that goes into uh, the keeping those certificates. But recognize the amount of practice, right? They had to practice a lot to get to that profession, and they were tested significantly to achieve that license. So where does this put leaders? Are they more like our sports professionals and performance artists who need to practice to be at peak performance? Or are they more like our licensed professionals who need to practice just to even achieve their title? Unfortunately, neither. Leaders are not licensed, nor do they have the standards of excellence to achieve, to realize that role or that title of manager, director, or head of this or that. And most leaders are not driven or even expected to practice to be at peak performance. A study by the Blanchard Group showed that only 30% of leaders actually receive formal education, coaching, or mentoring. A very sad statistic. I mean, imagine interviewing someone for a position when that person did not have the experience or the education for the role they're interviewing for. It would would literally never happen. They wouldn't even be invited to the interview. Yet every day, those same individuals are being promoted into the leadership positions with zero education or experience as a leader. No wonder disengagement and disillusionment by employees runs so rampant. You do not, however, have to be on the wrong side of statistics. In fact, Just by listening and watching to this podcast episode, likely you are already ahead of the curve. Thank you. But are you operating at peak performance? And what about your peers and others you work with? Well, every six months, the Agile Leadership Journey hosts practice cohorts. That is a time for leaders to not only learn new skills, but more importantly, in real time, apply them at work in meetings, on the job, at home, with your families, in a pragmatic and safe way. Now, recently, we hosted an information session where we invited some past participants and some guides to share some of their experience in these practice cohorts. And I want to share some of what they said with you. Now, I apologize slightly for the audio and video quality uh, of this as it was recorded on a Zoom call. 
and we're snapping this these uh, these recordings from that. Now, our first leader is Kristen Niemer, an e-business manager with Hilti, a global manufacturing company. Hi, everybody. My name is Kristen Niemeyer. Um, I did the last, I did both of those programs last year. You know, really what I got out of these sessions was like, like Pete says, it's applicable all day long to what you're working. And I'm, I'm head of agility for a company. And so everything that I'm doing is with leadership and, and I'm in the middle of cultivating a team in it. And so, you know, what I really got out of it were uh, the accountability, number one, the accountability that, um, to practice the things that we were talking and learning about. So I, I really loved the fact that I could share also uh, in this peer group without feeling judged. It was a safe space where I could talk about my insecurities about dealing with a particular team. And then having not only our facilitator or our coach, Brad, asking the right questions and asking the hard questions, but having everybody else's everybody else's opinion in the group to, to talk to and to say, hey, we get it. Well, have you tried this? Have you done this? All of this based on the learnings that we were taking um, from each of the classes, you know, and then just learning those concepts together because we all see things very differently. And and then just really the accountability of, okay, I said I was going to do this this week and it's really hard. Then having the team ask me, did you actually try that and did it work? Did it not work? Or did you, did you flip out? Did you not do it? And what just having that accountability of the other people and, and, and to talk over, talk it over with. And if you did fail and of course failure is okay, then let's talk about why we failed and maybe what we can try something. Different, if we can try something. Different. Did you hear what Kristen said? Accountability. We call that intentional or deliberate practice. Now, the experts in the field of practice say that the most beneficial type of practice is deliberate practice. Now, what that means is when I practice, I have a specific goal that I'm working on during that practice rather than just mindless or rote repetition, right? Kind of like, okay, in meetings, I am trying to be more open-minded versus jumping to conclusions, or uh, I'm trying to be more assertive in my expressiveness and my tone and my my posture even uh, when I share my thoughts and opinions. The practice cohorts of the Agile Leadership Journey provide a weekly intention to put focus in each leader's practice for them to take during the week as they work. And then the following week, they have accountability to follow up. How did we do? We did great. Yay. I struggled. Ah, right. The cohort is there to share in the wins and the struggles to help us all get a little bit better. Now, let's hear from another past participant, uh, Steve Medanik, an enterprise agile leader with Wells Fargo, a financial institution. You know, I just want to echo on something that, that Kristen said there. And the, the community of both the cohorts I went through was really powerful. And that ability to learn, tap into other people's learnings, both the guys who did both, uh, Brad and Christina did a fantastic job, but also the other people in there um, world of different perspectives, world of different experiences, and those people to both hold you accountable and to, uh, you know, to, to give you great ideas. Uh, one of the things that I did in the second cohort uh, was talking about, I was engaging in a new thing at work, and I work in legacy financial as part of enterprise and product transformation. We uh, was engaging with a new group, and I talked about how I really wanted to walk in the room like Don Draper and just like <laughs> say like a bunch of great stuff and be smooth and 
look really good in Brooks Brothers or something. And uh, one of the members of the court is like, oh, you want some swagger. You want to walk in with confidence. You want to be ready. And that gave me a framing for it that I hadn't before. And it helped me with dealing with a little bit of imposter syndrome I think we all deal with in this business. And um, gave me, uh, through that and through some further conversations with Christine Arc, my cohort lead and with others, gave me a great um, set of approaches using some of the Catalyst tool sets um, to really achieve some great results in the past quarter and the cohort. I wouldn't have achieved those results without going through the cohort. Stephen commented on the power of the cohort and community. You know, so often leaders are on the clock or in the game or on the hook, right? And the cohort provides a very safe space to decompress, to share, to coach and get coaching, to lean on and learn from others on a very similar journey. In fact, Kristen and Stephen still continue to connect in their cohort and within our community long after the program. You know, it's it, sometimes the value of the learning is the cohort and the relationships you build in that cohort and community that make the difference. Uh, kind of like a hike with friends is more enjoyable and rewarding than a solo adventure. Okay, it sounds interesting, but does it make a difference? Well, that came up in our discussion as well, both as a leader and possibly for the organization itself. In this case, uh, we've got Jesse Fuel and Rashmi Fernandez, both Agile Leadership Journey Guides and cohort facilitators who shared a bit of the leader's experience in their cohort programs. And I can tell you um, uh, that in my cohort, over the course of the two semesters, we had a continuation, there were uh, three promotions. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and those promotions were correlated with impact in the organization. Now, um, do can I take credit for them becoming so amazing and doing such amazing work that they had more impact and then got a promotion? Mm, I think it was more that um, the people who are most talented are the ones who seek the most help. Hmm. And, and that's what I felt is that these were people that were already going to have a positive impact. They were already shining brightly in their workplace. And by seeking a community and a curriculum to support them in their growth, they sustained over the long haul that one woman had to fight for two years to get her vice president promotion that she was do. Um, another woman um, had to navigate interpersonal conflict and politics to earn the manager title that, that she deserved. And another woman was facing all kinds of executive pressure about what agile is supposed to mean. And she just held her space. She held her ground and they gave her the biggest bonus that she's had while she's been working there. So um it's not so much that there's a direct line of sight from this curriculum to organizational impact, because what stands in the middle there is the leader. And so, um, and so, I, I think that's a really powerful question, Rajarshi, because what it what it it amplifies is that our mission field is not the curriculum; it's the leader. 
Yeah, so one of the things I also wanted to add was uh, one powerful story a participant shared was, um, you know, before she, at, at the time she joined the program, she was considered as a number-driven person and people were operating out of fear, you know, for the deliverables that were involved. But after the program, she wrote in the retrospective and she shared the whole story saying that her social acceptance and likability improved, hmm. which actually bettered the relationships and the deliverables came as a byproduct rather than, you know, they're working out of fear. So for me, that was a big win, though it's not tangible from how Jessie shared. It does, you know, add on uh, to some larger results that's going to happen in some time since it's a journey. So I just wanted to add that point. Now, a question we often receive is how these programs apply to people who coach versus lead. And, you know, it seems the coach role continues to increase in popularity, especially in the high-tech business community. Well, Tomas Ribas, uh, a recent ALJ guide who first participated in these programs as a coach, shared a few of his thoughts on the subject. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting point. So uh, I work as an agile coach also here in Brazil. I'm an OKR expert. So when I went through the program, what was very clear to me is that, you know, I was missing some behaviors as a consultant, as a coach. I was missing some mindsets to be able to have better conversation with stakeholders, to be able to really help the company to go through their transitions or transformations. You know, So the program was very helpful for me to somehow adapt the way I deliver my coaching work, my, my consulting work in a more effective way. You know, the way I engage with teams, the way I do my one-on-one coaching with people, mm-hmm. the way I, I help other leaders to to build their transformation programs. So yeah, from a coach perspective, that was something really, really important to, to me. So whether you call yourself a leader, a coach, or maybe both, you are welcome to practice in this community. So the key to these programs is moving the learning past the classroom into pragmatic application. Stephen came back to reiterate this point and the value it was to him. That's what I really enjoyed about this course, or these two courses, these cohorts, is the degree of practicality and applicability that was baked into everything. Uh, when we went through a concept, it wasn't a theoretical concept to move on past. It was, how are you going to use this? Let's talk about how we're going to use this. Kristen, how are you going to use this? Steve, how are you going to use this? And then let's come back next week and hold ourselves accountable to that. That degree of practice um, between individuals that, much like the folks that are considering this, are dedicated to getting better. Um, you know, we're all on a self-leadership growth journey if we're doing this transformation thing right. And my ability to grow helps those around me to grow. And that's part of how I look at it, the lens I got from Pete back about a year ago. And it's been a very powerful lens. Um, and Jesse, I'm also fortunate to be in that group that's been promoted uh, and shortly thereafter going through the program. So whether you're new to leadership, stuck in a leadership rut, or possibly been promoted to a new leadership position, practice cohorts are a great place for you. Our public three-month practice cohorts run March to May and September to November. And we have two programs specifically focused on personal leadership development. We call them Developing a Growth Mindset, which talks about the internal orientation, our self-awareness essentially as a leader, and Developing Catalyst Behaviors, which is the external landscape we operate, stakeholder engagement and presence. Possibly you're thinking, though, maybe the group hike isn't for me, or I want a bit more personal 
touch. Well, we do have one-on-one -on -one coaching engagements available and guides located all around the globe to help. A private tutor, so to speak. So, what is your next step? I encourage you to invest in your leadership. Find a community that can take you past the classroom, take you past the initial learning, into something that's truly going to change, dramatically impact your leadership effectiveness. Thank you for joining us today and enjoy the journey. Relearning Leadership is the official podcast of the Agile Leadership Journey. Together, we build better leaders. It's hosted by me, Pete Behrens, with contributions from our global guide community. It's produced by Ryan Dugan, with music by Joy Zimmerman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a review, or share a comment. And visit our website, agileleadershipjourney.com forward slash podcast for guest profiles, episode references, transcripts, and to explore more about your own leadership journey.